Good morning, it's 8.15, it's Saturday the 24th of October and I'm at the Nottingham Hilton as I'm on my way to the... as I'm on the way to the Nottingham Comic Conference 2016. The event has a whole load of guests including Clint Langley from 2000 AD, Jeff Anderson known for Transformers and Steve Beckett from The Beano. They have 150 exhibitors including World of Pop and Rebecca Mainfield they have panels on comic creation, also panels on lettering, uh, animation screaming, and loads of talks from the various guests, possibly lions and tigers as well. So I'm off there to see what's happening, talk to some of the people there, and give you an insight into what went down. So we're at the event and I'm helping Laura set up and already we've been greeted with two bottles of water, a handful of boiled sweets, and a pen and the Wi-Fi password as part of the traders pack. If you're listening and you run an event or know anyone that does run an event, do this, do this often. Every trader on the planet will love you. So the people have turned up, so you can hear from in the background. Uh, we just had a bunch of stormtroopers walk past. So I'm talking to Sally Jane Thompson. What is Sally Jane up to at the moment? Well, at the moment, uh, my con table's a little strange because the, the book that I've just finished is called The Ruby Equation. Mm -hmm. It's with writer Sarah Kuhn, and it's for uh, Rosie Press, which is a new digital-only romance comics press in the United States. Uh, so we've just, uh, they run a fantastic magazine called Fresh Romance, which is all about getting, uh, getting romance comics back into people's hands, which they haven't really been a presence in the comic scene for several used, decades. Yeah, They're it used like to be a mass, massive part of the comics publishing industry, uh, especially in North America. Mm. Uh, that's kind of fell away, so this is a, a very sort of diverse current take on it, that these are sort of fantastic stories about um, sort of emotions and life experiences that we all have. So not, not comic Mills and Boons, pap, real, proper <laughs> relationship. Yeah, magazine. genuine, hugely quality comics. There's some fantastic uh, creators involved in the magazine, uh, including Kate Leth and Sarah Swinsey. It's a fantastic group of people. So myself and Sarah Kuhn have just wrapped up our story. It's the first one to wrap up, but it's now collected. And being digital only, it's available on Comixology and Rosie Press's site. So the, these are these are full-blown comics. They're not like serialized. It's straight one shot. You get the whole lot. They are serialized. So oh, the, okay. yeah. So the Fresh Romance magazine runs once a month. Right. Uh, and each serialized story gets ten pages. Right. Um, some of those will be occasional ten-page one-shots. Others um, are ongoing. But it's not like. A couple of panels a day, eked out like. No, no, it's or... not a web comic, so it, yeah. it functions like a serialized magazine. Okay. Any particular reason to go full digital? Largely just uh, a, a real commitment on Rosie Press's part to getting proper payment to the artists themselves. The overhead in setting up a new comics publisher of any sort is massive, hmm. um, and the Kickstarter allowed her to pay good rates, professional rates, to all of the art artists involved and all of the writers involved. So they're able to get better quality, you're able to get Absolutely. better cash, readers able to just get the stuff from anywhere. Yep. It may, yeah, it makes it really easy and simple and it puts a focus on getting top quality stories made. Okay. So it's very online focused, but you're still here in real space. Yes. So that's a tricky thing. So what yeah. I've done is I have a, a printed copy of the first chapter of our um, of our collected edition of the Ruby Equation. Mm -hmm. So anyone at the con can come and have a look at it and I can send them away with the URL and hopefully they will be inspired to go and check it out online. Are they gonna be issuing them generally in, in real space at the end when they get sufficient orders or is it just keep it straight online? At the moment it's straight online. I think the future is very much see what happens, see what the response is. Okay, other than that? Uh, other than that, I'm working on secret things. So that's... Uh, doesn't give me a lot of room to talk about things, but I am also... Uh, Ooh, secret things. <laughs> secret things. So it's not the name of the project, you're just <laughs> the, secret yeah. things. Right, okay. Um, but other than that, I am hoping to have, uh, try and inch away a little bit of time on the side uh, to have some new online short stories that I can put out for people in the meantime. Sure. If people want to keep an eye out on, uh, on your secret things... That's hey. Okay, let me... <laughs> if people want to keep an eye out on what is happening with your works... Yeah, that's more appropriate. They can <laughs> They can find me at sallyjanethompson.co.uk, uh, and I'm also very active on Twitter. So I'm at Sally Thompson on there with an H and a P. Cool. Where, which uh, conventions are you going to be at? If people want to come and 
I've actually, this is my first convention in quite a while. I've been okay. taking, a, taking a year off and it's been very nice. I feel much more relaxed, uh, but I will probably be at quite a few next year. Okay. Um, we'll have to wait until table bookings appear to see what I can get into, but um, So what was the year off for? Sanity or? Uh, sanity, yeah, and no. also because I didn't have any new physical books out. Um, so it's, well, you uh, still don't yeah. have a new physical And I still don't out. have physical books out, <laughs> but this is my local con, so okay. it's a special exception. So it's something you come to regularly or just you saw it and Yeah, well, well this, is, uh, this is this is the one. third year. Oh, third year. Yeah, and I've been at all of them, so I hope that will continue. What do you think of the convention so of this as a convention? I think it's a really lovely one. It's uh, it's designed with a lot of care. It's got a great spacious venue. The staff take really good care of people. Just the thing I've been noticing is that there's definitely people coming in, but there's space to like breathe and stuff. It's quite strange. I've got my banner set up to me and set up behind me at my table and I'm not touching it at all. So we, we very got, rare. Where, where we're sitting at the moment, we're, we're at the stalls and there's probably, there's about like 15, 10 feet of empty space behind you before yes. the next stall or as some conventions would call it three rows of traders. Yes. <laughs> There's quite. I've seen a number of people in the middle of aisles swinging lightsabers and not killing anyone. <laughs> it's, it's a convention where you could actually wear a cosplay with giant wings or something mm. without doing any significant damage to other people. Yeah, it's definitely refreshing. Okay, thank you very much for your time. Great, thank you. So, I'm now with the Brother Born team. What can you tell me about, sorry, Brethren Born. Brethren Born, yeah. I'm with the it. Brethren Born team. What can you tell us about Brethren Bourne? Okay, uh, my name's John Lace, I'm the writer creator. Uh, today I've got Tony Pritchard with me. Um, he's helping me out today, he's a Nottingham guy. Cool. Phil Nibbs, the artist who's the, um, the main, well he's done everything on the comic. Unfortunately he couldn't be here today, he lives down in Bedford. Um, Brethren Bourne, it's a uh, superhero sci-fi story, it's a series. Mm -hmm. Issue one uh, has been released today, it's the official Sorry. release date today. So it's our first convention. Uh, actually selling. We were at London MCM back in May, but that was purely promotion. That was giving out postcards, few art prints, those yeah. sort of things. Um, so yeah, the main story, it's um, superhero sci-fi, following our hero Newton, mm -hmm. who uh, we first meet him as uh, an adult in present day, as yeah. a little bit of a uh, teaser. Then it's sort of like the main, the main comic is really based in 1994, where we see Newton's a young boy, obviously got some abilities, some sort of powers, yeah. Uh, he's in a military research facility, mm -hmm. um, along with his brothers, hence the brethren born. Yeah. Um, and then they decide to end the experiment. They decide to end the research and they're going to basically kill Newton right. and all his brothers. He escapes, tries to get his brothers out as well, but yeah. doesn't quite. I'm not, not going to give too much no. away. Um, buy the book. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> get out there and buy the book online, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, he, he escapes and then we see him again um, in present day. And it's a story of revenge, a little bit of vengeance. So cool getting the guy who decided to end the experiments and kill him, his family and friends really. So how's, how's it going, I mean this is your first day, when did first, it come out? Well the, this is our official release right. today, we did a signing two weeks ago in Worcester, I'm, I'm from um, just near there, a place called Redditch, yeah. uh, we did a, a signing in Worcester and it went, it was unbelievable, we sold nearly 50 books that's within three hours, so it was, it, was a, it was an amazing experience. Yeah. So do you think the MCM uh, promo event helped get, the, get things going? It definitely, well, it was a Kickstarter funded project. Oh, right. Um, we actually launched on the first day in, uh, on the first day event in London MCM. Okay. And we got funded within 18 hours. It was, nice. it was amazing. What was your goal fucking It was 2,200 pounds. So 18 hours, everything 18 hours, we, well, we got just, after 18 hours, it was about 3,000 pounds. Not bad at all. So we're totally blown away by it. So at the end of it, yeah. we got just over five thousand pounds. So I think it was about two hundred eight, two hundred nine percent funded, which was. I, I, I was quite confident, but didn't think we'd get anywhere near that. For a Kickstarter, that's not. I mean, it's, it's obviously not chicken feet, but that, that's not that huge a Kickstarter. It's, it's, it's not. You still got a good. Exactly. We, I think in the end it was one hundred fourteen backers we got. Right. Family, friends, but. We sent to Iceland. We've sent. Oh, I've got sent to Australia, America, Germany. A real worldwide following sort of came out of it. Amazing. Um, so yeah, that was London. The the pre-release pre signing was at uh, Hiding Geek in Worcester. It was amazing. My name's Tony. Hiding Geek in Worcester. Is that an event? No, it's a shop. It's a store. It's a store. And it's um, it's been open for about a year. Ran by a guy called Simon Cooper. 
amazing guy. And they do all the UGO tournaments and the X-Wing tournaments and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's where we are today. And today's just going really well as well. You know, nice and steady. You know, I thought if we sell 15 books, I'd be happy. I'd be happy. Um, we're, we're way past that already. The, the variant edition. We got two different editions. We got the original standard cover, and we have got the variant edition. And that one's flying off the shelves. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty good. It's done by um, a guy called Hal Laren. Phil's, it's, yeah, no Phil's is, is selling just as well as well, it's just behind it as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it's just been a really nice That's event, uh, we're only a couple of hours in and we're doing, doing way beyond Split. our expectations. So if people want to get the book, Brilliant. what events are you going to be coming uh, Next event, we're at Birmingham MCM, right. uh, which is November 21st, 22nd. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be there for, for both days. Bag um, for you there. Level 8 Comics, they can go to and buy it off there, I'm releasing that on Monday, online. Also got a few other little pipeline uh, things in the pipeline with a uh, gentleman on your, on your right as well, a guy called Chris. So we've got some in the in the pipeline that's that's uh, going to be happening. We're releasing that in February next year, London, London Super Comic Con. Going to be there. We're also going to be at True Believers. Right. Uh, and I think the other one we're booked in for at the minute is Birmingham Comic Festival. Okay. If they want to get it online, where would they go? Go to uh, www.level8comics.com, or they can find us on Facebook. On, uh, type in Brethren Born on Facebook or Twitter, and there'll be loads of links on. So you're looking at um, just folks seeing Brethren Born? Are you going to be doing multiple? Multiple, as, as a writer, yeah. Um, I've got another thing um, in the pipeline as well with a guy called Grant Richards. Right. Um, Absolutely, mate. He's here today, actually. He's uh, as, as a punter. I've got. Um, he's, he's doing um, some uh, pages for me at the moment. Nice. He's showing me the, uh, the the initial sketches, which look amazing already. Um, and it, it, the other thing that I've got going with some of the creators, where we all support each other, that's that's going to be coming around in the next uh, next few months. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. I'm now at the 2000 AD store. Uh, I am the Art Droid, Droid Oz BRN1. Ooh, nice. So, I am the one that puts your weekly prop together. Splendid. Yes. What are you working on at the moment? Um, we are basically Dread, Chaos Priest. Yeah. That's no surprise. Um, and also in there we have, oh god blimey, I'm trying to think weeks and weeks ahead now. <laughs> be weeks behind now, isn't it? I'm working weeks. You're yeah. working weeks ahead, but we're yeah, receiving weeks behind you. You are, yes. yes. It takes a little while for it to get through the vortex. <laughs> the foe, yes, cool. putting him together. Um, also, these lovely t-shirts. We have um, some wonderful new new t-shirts coming out. Yep. If people want to see previews of these these t-shirts, where can they go? Um, right here, right now. It's right in your place. Get you guys over. Which conventions you're going to be at? Will they be able to come along and? Uh... Ooh, I'm not sure what we're doing for the rest of the year. You got the definitely yeah. thought bubble, I believe. I believe so, but I don't think I'm going to be there. I think oh. Mike and Keith sure. will probably be there. Um, there's lots of work we're doing on the graphic novels, putting those out. Mm -hmm. um, new stuff or, or old collections? There is collections of both old and new. Uh, Jager's out recently. That's finished off recently in the Prague probably about three three months ago, so that's kind of in there to complete the story arc. Well, it's um, all stuff that's been through the props. Yeah, all, all stuff through the props. Right. Trying to get some new stuff out, but... But? But it's a case of getting it off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so. Any big exciting things coming from, two, from 2000, other than obviously the next issue? And you, you're coming up to a 25th? Or? We are. That's We have, what, it was 17 months, I think? Yeah. And then it's our 40th anniversary. Yes. Um, I think the Meg has gone through a 25th anniversary. That the was, magazine went through a 25th, which was that, a wonderful issue. Is that out now? I have I lost got, count. I got, I got my copy through the post. So. Okay, so that must be that must be out there on the streets. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's two anniversaries in one. 25 for the Meg and 40 for the Prog. Yes. So not that far from 2000. Now, are we? No, we're not. I think we're on 1956. Was the last one that I just put together. Have you guys been talking about anything big for 2000? Of course we have. But Clark has said that we're not allowed to tell you what it is. Is it going to be good? That's subjective. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say yes. It's going to be fantastically good. good. Whether you guys think it's good or not, <laughs> who it's knows? Been good all the way through so far. It has. It has its cool. peaks. Um, now there's there's a couple of plans there. We're going to try and work on a few bits and pieces, but you're just going to have to watch this space. Okay, I want to know now, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you and everybody else. But exactly. No, my no. head would be on the block. Your head would be on the block. Yes. How is Drive doing these days? He's doing all right, actually. Yeah, <laughs> sure. he's still looking. He had a bit of an illness the other day, and he kind of went even more greener than normal. Is that good or bad? Well, it's a bit of a sickly um, green. 
Yeah, okay. But no, no, he's doing all right. He's, cool. he's, he's hanging on in there. So are they letting you do anything outside of the progs? Outside of 2018? Um, yeah, doing some other book work for the other side of the publishing department. Um, which is all very good. Some nice covers, some nice stories coming along in uh, sci-fi and kind of other... Can you give us any names or inklings as to what they're going to be? Ooh, midnight mm. in the garden centre of Good and Evil. Okay. <laughs> Killer plants, that's all I can say. I, oh, thanks. <laughs> um, and what else? There's uh, Sea Hates a Coward and um, a couple of us for Abaddon and, and Solaris. Um, Gail Z. Martin's got a new one out, which is uh, Vendetta. Um, trying to think, trouble. I work on so much, it's just too busy to keep track of everything it is, you're doing. It is. You just sit down, people give you a paper, you write, Bosch. you draw, Bosch. Yes. Cool. No, no, Bosch with detail. Bosch with detail. <laughs> yes. You, throw it, you snap no... it down with amazing detail. No, no, there's, no, there's nothing that comes out that's so standard. It, no. it's, it's out quick, but it's done perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm at the Creative Dimensions store, and they have a 3D printer. <laughs> So what can you tell me about this marvel of modern technology? Well, I'm Sheridan, I'm the, the founder of Creative Dimensions, um, and I've invested in the Automaker uh, 3D printer. It's a um, medium-sized uh, desktop 3D printer. Um, it's called Fusion-based, so it basically builds layer upon layer um, of plastic. Um, it can print all sorts, so in front of you I've got a 3D printed heart gear, which can twirl around. It could be used for housing, so I'm um, working with some architects to actually 3D print houses. Okay, so just mock-ups and... Yeah, generally 3D printing is used for prototyping, so if you've got yeah. a basic design you want to prototype, 3D printing allows you to do one-off without spending a lot of money doing the tooling. So this is uh, about an inch high, it's about three inches across the directions, basically one floor of a house. How long did this take to print out? Um, that took about three to four hours to print, because uh, you have to let the, the printer heat up and also cool down. But it very much depends on the size you want, how much fill you want. So this other house is 0% uh, fill, so it's a lot quicker to do. Um, it is less sturdy, but it, it does what, you know, if that's what you want, it's perfect. Traditional methods, you're saying that's, for, that's five hours with traditional methods, oh, yeah. how long would you be looking at? Oh, you know, depending on the artist and the designer, you could be looking at several days to just to do one building. So, certainly from an architectural point of view, you're saving a lot of time and money in doing it 3D printing. Obviously there's loads of industrial advances to it, Absolutely. all that. What makes you bring it along to a comics convention? Because one of the things I'm looking at is testing what, how would people use this. So uh, one of the things we're moving into is 3D scanning. Right. So this is um, an image of a 3D scan. Right. And it just connects to a tablet computer. So is that the scanner? That's the scanner, yeah. So it just fits on the back of a tablet. Okay, so that, that's about like a, again, three inch by an inch by three inch, just a little advanced camera. Yeah, it's based on the same technology as a Kinect scanner. So he started the scanning technology. So it looks like a camera. So you just basically move around an object, a person. Okay. I'll just move over and then you're done. And, and then, it, then it processes. Okay. So I'll just leave it to process and show you. But, um, but you, so I'm looking at scanning people. You can create um, scans of children and then import them into Minecraft, or we can have them 3D printed. So this is a 3D print of my niece. Uh, it's about four inches tall. Um, or you can. That's, that's, that's fairly detailed. Yeah. If I knew the person in question, I'd be able to make out it's there. Absolutely. Clearly, that level of detail. Or if you just wanted a head bust, you could just do that. Yeah. Again, it's. It's or, not huge, but if it was, if it was me, I'd recognise it as me. Or, or you could send it off to be pre, uh, 3D printed in sandstone, right. where the detail is a lot more... Oh, yeah. So I'm looking at doing wedding figurines, so you could for bride and groom. real-time... Yeah, so I have to scan the bride and groom, and then have them 3D printed in exactly... Is that, is that uh, yeah. Okay, so you've now, literally a minute or so ago, you took the scan, it's now ready, to, it's now there, ready to go. Absolutely. If you were to hit print on that, how long would it take well, you for it to jump that So if it's out? just a head bust, I mean, this took me um, about, this one took me about an hour uh, to do last night. So, yeah, within the, you know, I can scan you and have you printed within a few hours and back to you. Wow.
So one of the things I'm keen about is going into education, so speaking to kids, finding out what they would like to do with 3D printing, speaking to parents and seeing how they would use it. Um, I do work with some schools and I'm looking at doing after school clubs and children's birthday maker parties where they can design their own superhero Play-Doh, we can scan it and then have it 3D printed or imported into Minecraft. So there's loads of different applications. Other games are available. Uh, yes, yeah, other but it's going to be Minecraft. Yeah, pretty much. We accept this. But what really excites me about this is the digital skills. So once you learn how to do a bit of design, it could open up so many different career opportunities from architecture, engineering, product design. And that's something I want to inspire. I know at this point, you're probably looking at several thousand pounds for this uh, okay, tank, yeah. but the prices are coming Sunday, down. Absolutely. Um, the, the, one of the cheapest printers is about 300 pounds, but it's self-assemble. So three to seven pounds are self-assemble printers. You can buy a normal printer for about 300 quid, so that's, that's not, to be able to get a 3D one for 300 quid, that's affordable for a lot of people you know, want to get into it. Especially people like making stuff, this is perfect. For the scanning, for the scanner, how much are you looking at? Um, so the scanner, uh, this is a, was a Kickstarter project, so it's still quite new, um, cost me about $500, so that's probably about £350, and I bought some additional software on top of that. So For a K, which is not inconsiderable, you know, it's not, a, it's not a nothingness amount, but it's not an unreachable goal. For a K, someone at home could be up and running with 3D printing. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and again, the price is coming down, so yeah. there'll be more scanning technology. Okay, today, 900 by, by next year, 800 Absolutely. There's, a, there's a, an app called 123 Catch, which allows you to take lots of pictures of a person or an object, and that creates a 3D image. And that's so just with a normal camera, yeah. just run it through the pro program, and you've got a 3D image. Yeah, so the technology is already available out there, uh, and, it's, and it's crazy how, how it's developing. There's about 400 different types of 3D printers on the market, and that, that number is growing all the time. So would artists be able to give you like, 3D shape? Exactly. Enough, enough images for you to then go and make? Yeah, well, actually, because a few, some of the designers have made a character of theirs on their computer, they could send it to me to be 3D printed. People who have 2D images, this printer actually can turn a 2D image into a 3D image as well. So if you've got a face pic, so even the one you've got in your name badge, you could actually upload it into Pura and it could create a 3D image of that. So someone making their own comics gets in touch with you, they've suddenly got their own 3D merch. Absolutely, absolutely. Amazing. The potential's limitless. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you, where would they go? Um, so my website is uh, www.creative-dimensions.co.uk um, or they can go on a website called 3D Hubs and, and search for Creative Dimensions. 3D Hubs basically allows, connects people who don't have 3D printers but that they want to print to those that do. So you could access my printer directly, you could upload your design and 3D Hubs calculates the cost and if you agree and I agree to do the print, I'll print it off for you and then send it to you. So, so it means anybody can access a 3D printer if they want to. That is, that, that is a wonderful, wonderful way of doing yeah, it. It's the largest network of 3D printers in the world. I think they've now reached some like three to 4,000 printers around so the world. So how hard is it to get on that network? Because yeah, presumably someone could buy a 3D printer and then offset some of those costs by offering yeah. out. Well, I'll tell you, this, this, this yeah, printer cost me two grand. And one way I'm making money back on that is actually essentially hiring it out to other people. It stays there in my office, but people send me their designs. And you just pop it yeah, in the post and keep it yeah. fed. If, if I'm at a meeting, I can leave my printer on for a few hours, come back to, to the finished product. So I could leave this on all night if it's a big build, and then make basically make my money back on the printer. So, so, if, someone, so if someone was at a convention, they wanted to just get a photo of their cosplay, they could, make, they could at the convention, you could scan their cosplay and then have their cosplay produced yeah. by the end of the day. Yeah, if there's enough time in the day oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. to do it, it, it is possible. It'll take a few minutes to, to, to save it in the right format for the printer yeah. on my laptop, but once I've got a design, I can get it printed. If someone wanted you to bring it along to a convention, like if someone was running an event and they wanted a 3D print, printer there as an attraction, would you? Yeah, I, 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 go, to, I go to a lot of events. I go to a lot of um, like Game City next week to, right. to demonstrate it to, to young people. Anywhere so. else this year that, or coming up Ooh. other than Game City? Um, actually, in, the, in Nottingham, the Broadmoor Shopping Centre, I'll be having a, a stall in the Made in Nottingham shop. So I'll be actually selling 3D printed objects, yeah. but also demonstrating my 3D printer as well. That's it for now, but I'm just speaking to find out what, what the best venues are to go to. So any recommendations, I'll, I'll try and be there. Okay, so I'm now talking to Fran Richway from the Petite Petite Chocolate and what? 
What brings you to this convention with your chocolates? What, what is it about your chocolates that makes them stand out at a comic event? Well, uh, we like Star Wars. Uh, we've got R2-D2s, we've got Millennium Falcons. Uh, we've got Doctor Who. Uh, we have a nearly foot tall Dalek. Made we have of Made of solid Couverture Belgian chocolate. Yeah. Uh, we have small TARDIS and Daleks as well. We've got Lego brick. Do they have the dimples on the underside? They no. don't, unfortunately, oh. no. We've got little Lego men, we have giant Lego men, and we've got Han Solo. Solo in carbonite. You have to Tastiest do it. Han Solo. Definitely. So you like Star Wars, you run a chocolate shop, yeah. and you just went, we've got to do We've got to go for it, yeah. Is there any, any other designs coming out in China? We do a lot of other stuff as well, um, but we've, we've mainly bought this stuff today. But uh, yeah, we are always on the lookout for more. There is a very, very large um, head of Darth Vader. Yeah. Solid chocolate? Solid chocolate Darth Vader we were hoping to get hold of, yes. So uh, yeah, and we are looking for a C-3PO because the dark chocolate, um, we use a gold dust on it. Mm. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to getting one of them, but they are hard to get because they are licensed moulds. So are these, are these all licensed products? All licensed products, yeah. Yeah. Is it particularly hard to go around getting licenses for this kind of stuff? You just need to pay a little bit more for them. You can get the knockoff ones, but it's, it's better to go for the slightly more expensive licensed ones. Spectacular. So, Amy, uh, from Screen 22, what can you tell me about Screen 22? So, what makes it so distinct? Uh, firstly, it's the world's smallest cinema, actually in the Guinness Book of Records. You can check it and everything. I Fair enough. Uh, we have 22 seats. Uh, I've had it for actually next week's our first, fourth birthday, which is slightly crazy. So yeah, you happy birthday screen 22. Um, what's distinct? It is personal. Um, not in a kind of like it's personal, but in a in a nice you know one daf Next week we've got an 80th birthday in the middle of Halloween, and she's decided she wants to decorate it all in a glorious way you can think of, but watch a lovely film. So how physically large is it? Um, the the screen is uh, what the room is uh, not actually huge. It's probably the size of a normal living room, but it's got 22 seats. Mm. The seats are actually based on... So the seats are random. We got them from a seating showroom in Essex. Mm. However, they came from Arizona as contraband because they are actually based on 007's DB7 from Her Majesty's Secret Service. Because I know I want a comfortable because uh, marathons, yeah. um, which happens a lot. So, so th yeah. th this isn't something you bought somewhere, this is something that's... No, so there's been a up. cinema on this plot yeah. from 1964. Mm -hmm. uh, in the 1970s, it was a blue cinema mm -hmm. uh, that continued into the 80s, where it became more porn. Um, but right. Nottingham had 72 cinemas at a, uh, a point. It was a lot. I mean, we used to have the Odeon, which was the biggest in the country, right. at 1,500 seats. But so, going to the cinema was a night out. It used to be, now it's part of a night out. So yeah. I'm trying to bring that back with our place in the fact that it's personal, it's unique. You can bring your own alcohol if you wish. You pick the trailers, you pick the film, you can have a photo slideshow created. So is it projected or is it LCD? It's projected, it is a digital production. Uh, we have Active 3D, uh, 7.2 surround sound system, uh, and it was all built by Richard Sounds, who know nice. what they're doing. Yes. <laughs> How big's the screen? That's the question. Uh, 140 inch. So pretty decent. For the size of the room, it works really well. It's anamorphic as well. And um, we have active 3D, not passive, because that's horrible. Okay. <laughs> I used to be a film critic. So that was my previous job. And I lost my job because media meltdown. Yeah. And came home, so I didn't want to move to London to work for a newspaper. So yeah, Screen oh, 22 happened. Why not? I was freelancing for the Evening Post about Screen Room, which was previously there, which mainly showed world art films, but it mm. did project uh, rear projection, which I would have loved to have done, but I wasn't allowed to by the Cinema Association because it's a dying art and it's very complicated and very expensive. So what's the weirdest films you've had there? The weirdest the films? The ones that stuck out in your mind the most? It's not so much the films, it's the things people ask us to do. That so no bad, no no given its no no well, well we do get that. Oh, um, yeah. How PC is the podcast? Barely. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there were there are occasionally people that ask to show personal films, and we get to the point where I have to say I need to see it um, to to you know yeah. like a husband and wife they've made a film. Well, lots of husbands and wives make films. Not quite to these right, extent. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes we get that, but knowing it's history and it's Broad Street, mm. so you know. 
um, strange things. So we get random things like, I don't know, companies for corporate stuff decide they'll have a film, but they're going to make their own soundtrack to it and not actually listen to the actual words and yeah it's a bit weird uh, popular things for kind of like you know kids parties obviously whatever's out at the time so things like Frozen uh, Frozen 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 lots of Frozen <laughs> lots of glitter annoyingly um, but lots of lovely little kids so you know uh, obviously Star Wars is getting pretty popular uh, yeah. back to the future at the moment it, it goes in terms of kind of marketing at the end of the day I mean you just need to look at the board we've got here today about what's your favourite film and you can see like there's the Goonies but then you've got Annie Hall and then you've got Firefly it, it, at the end of the day we, you can make it whatever you want to make it which is kind of where it came from so it's, and it's, it is still going well even though yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but thriving really well the thing is you can like obviously but you no, the, no don't get me wrong like on a, a business point of view the cost of being able to afford your own home cinema setup is looking two two and a half grand these days to do it decently but it's it's then you've got it in your house and it gets a little bit less of a novelty mm. and so that's what we find a lot of people want it and they can't fit 20 people in the house so it's, whereas it's, 22 is a nice number so it's more selling the experience it's the experience it's the experience it's the personal touch of it it's the fact that you walk in and you don't then have to have everyone else kind of like you've got it all done for you which is a nice a nice thing and people can find you at www.screen22.co.uk or um, find us on Facebook's probably the most up to date to be honest because our website's under development we are Maddie's Comics we are comics you are comics yes, yes all of them like to say. not all of them <laughs> we, it, what we like to think is more of a representation self, it's not as self-aggrandizing as it sounds it's more it's not that we are all comics it's that we are people who have devoted our entire lives to the love of comic books, mm -hmm. the making of them, the appreciation of them. We are men and women who enjoy making comic books, and that's why we are comics. How many people are in your group? Uh, well, four. There's four of us, but then also what we do, we, we work with we a lot of quite st stable artists and things like that. We've got some fantastic artists working with us. Uh, well, we've got some PJ Holden Prince, Tape of 2000 AD. Uh, Jim Lavery, he's done a lot of stuff for Zazaz, and he's done stuff for Future Quake, uh, IDW as well. We've got Rosie Packwood, who's worked for Marcosia. Um, bloody hell, who else we got? We've got a lot of new starters as well, a lot of new people uh, come to the fray. Um, a gent called Drew Bristow, who's uh, drawn a comic up, one of ours called Ramlock Investigates, fantastic. It's an anthropomorphic comedy, kind of Sherlock Holmes, but inept, you know, and um, there's, there's ninja octopuses and all sorts. It's great. Ninja octopus. Oh, yeah, very with a little so. red bow. Ninja octopus with a little red bow. Fantastic stuff. Yes, one of the a really dizzying fight scene. It looks great. And we've uh, done quite a bit of work with um, Nick Gonzo, the creator of uh, Punk Rock Apocalypse, which is uh, you, which is me, <laughs> uh, who's done um, done done three you comics. You work with yourself on regular uh, occurrences. I work with myself regularly. Nick myself all the time. Um, Nick <laughs> wasn't where I was going, but yeah. And all of this can be found at maddiuscomics.bigcartel.com. They can, and we're also on Twitter, um, at Maddius Comics, and you can find us on Facebook as well, which is Maddius Comics Maddie's too. Comics. Yeah. We've also got, one last thing, we've got an uh, anthology series called Papercuts and Inkstains, mm. which has had some really positive press. Starburst magazine give us re repeatedly like 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, which is fantastic stuff. And again, we're working with some great guys on that. Issue 3 is coming out Thought Bubble in three weeks' time, and it was meant to be one great big 60-page monster. We've had to kind of split it into two comics. So you've got kind of 3A and 3B, and it could be like a double-header. It's going to be awesome. It'll be really good fun. We've got a load of other comics coming out. We've worked with Ian McHugh, um, fantastic concept artist, designer. Um, we've got a comic, uh, comic coming out called Hurrah, which is, again, this kind of anthology tale, but it's really, kind of, really horror-based. And there's, again, there's an ongoing through that with a gentleman called Alistair Wood. Uh, fan, uh, another fantastic artist. He's the man who made uh, Red Dead Redemption look like Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. He was the uh, main yeah. illustrator for that. Sure. You know, and we're, we're, we're really fortunate to be working with some fantastic artists. And let's be honest, we want to work with you as well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you, whoever's listening to this, uh, if you're a comic book artist, we want to hear from you. Yeah. Okay. At gmail.com, you send us emails, you tell us what you do, and we can find a place for you. Because our major focus is making sure that artists, writers, creators get appreciation and get the money that they deserve. And we we want to pay you to make comic books for us. And get the stories out there. Exactly. Damn right, it's all about stories. It's all about telling us stories, about telling a 
we want to just tell the stories we enjoy reading, but not crap. Um, and uh, that's what I want to do. We're going to do it for you. So, you're doing this event, which is lovely. You're yep. going to be doing the Mighty Thought Bubble, which is obviously... Yeah, it's scary, but yep. great. Yeah. It's scary, but great. Um, this is actually our first convention. We only started in yeah. February. This is a serious... You know, we have, we've got five comics available today. Yeah. We've got two which we've got on the table, which are proof copies. One is Funtel Samurai, a silent comic. So you are... And we're going to have, we'll have 10 comics yeah, by four bubbles. This. All this in a year, since all February. This since February. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I we're, know, right? we're not doing things by halves, to be honest no, with no. you. you know, I, um, I letter comics. I'm lettering for companies like Marcosia, American Gothic Press, stuff like that. I've uh, been making comic books for about 10 years yeah. now, um, doing various things. Brad Holman is a full-time graphic artist as well. Yeah, we, we're, man, we basically people have been designer. kicking around for a while and thought, you know what, we can do better together, we can separately. So, as a new, well, obviously old, old hands at the, at the business, but as a new company starting up and coming to events exhibiting, from a going to conventions view, viewpoint, what do you guys at conventions, what is it you guys most want from the people organising the actual convention? What is it you look, what makes you go, that convention, I must go to it, or that convention, these be, people to, are good? To be honest with you, I can we reach I, on public transport? No. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, not, it's, it's not really about. I suppose the people putting the convention together, it's about the people coming to the convention. Yeah. That's the big thing for us. Like I said, this is our first ever convention. And look, from our point of view, we want to come here, we want to meet people who've got similar kind of passions, mm. similar kind of interests, similar, similar likes, dislikes, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Well, we want to meet the people that are buying our comics, that are, yep. you know, reading our comics, reviewing our comics. We just want to speak face to face to people. Get, get, you know, get feedback back, constructive criticism, I mean, so all that kind the, of stuff. The audience, the, the audience at the it, event is what makes you go that Definitely, event. I mean, definitely. The thing that, from my perspective, and I think that the rest of the group shares, is that we love a comic book convention. Yes. So can, right. There are comic book conventions out there who say, we're a comic book convention, and you look at the list, and there are very few comic book people on there. We want, we look to sell our stuff in an environment of people who are interested in what we're doing. And we're not going to turn up and go, you know, like sit next to an American sweet importer and sort of like try and sell our stuff to people who don't give a toss. We are looking for people who are interested in comic books because we love comic books, we want to share it with a similar crowd. We're looking for our people, and we have found them in Nottingham. Yes. And we know we'll find them obviously at Fort Bubble oh, as well. Yeah, I've been to Fort Bubble as uh, you know, as a consumer. Yeah. You know, and that was fantastic. Yeah. It, it, to be honest with you, a little bit overwhelming. To right, be fair, I only went for a day, and boy. I probably should have gone for the whole weekend. You know what I mean? Because you're there. There is so much yes. on. I and have such a great emotion for Thought Bubble. I went to the first one in the crypt in Leeds Town Hall. They have grown so much, but the thing is that they've stayed focused <laughs> on comic books. Like they they, they they kicked out people like EA. You know, they they don't have sort of like. It's not a staging ground for movies and TV series. It's about the comic books and the people who make them. And that is important to us because we want to meet the people who make them as much you, as you say, We're comics. We are comics. Comics, damn it. Yeah. No capes. <laughs> Mr. No Capes, may I your name? Uh, my name is Yoms. I am um, creator and um, author of um, Clockwork Watch. And has zero capes in it. No capes. No capes. <laughs> No okay. case. And we also have my learned colleague, editor, and co-writer, co-conspirator. Hi, Corey Brotherson. You have a lot of hats to go with this. I, I try to wear them all at the same time. That probably gets very... <laughs> I don't know if you can pull that look off, or it, indeed get through most doorways it, with that many hats on. It's very difficult. You've seen him with capes? No capes. <laughs> okay. The obvious question, why no capes, other than they're bad? They're dangerous. They're very dangerous. Daredevil. You see him wearing a cape? Oh, no. It's a good point. It's a good point. But Daredevil gets beaten up a lot. Yes. <laughs> nice. Daredevil doesn't need any more danger. He desperately needs boop up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. If they had boop in the States, Daredevil yeah. would probably be a lot happier. Deadpool. No capes. He gets beaten up a lot as well. <laughs> he gets beaten up a lot. But he has a healing factor. Uh, yeah. So he cheats. <laughs> Iron this, Man. This no capes. <laughs> Start with the no capes. You also have Magic of Myths yes. Fairy. Yes. Do you want to tell us about that? Uh, Magic of Myths Fairy is a spin-off of a main series called Magic of Myths. And uh, Magic of Myths Fairy actually involves spinning, uh, it's kind of like uh, taking A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare as a, a source point yeah. and having the characters realise there is a play, Midsummer Night's Dream, and then going, well, okay, let's have a look at it. And uh, the main character, who is Robin, she realizes that in Midsummer Night's Dream, she's been represented as a ugly, impish male hobgoblin. 
and she's not very happy about this. Understandable. So, absolutely, absolutely. So um, she goes to Oberon, the King of the Fairies, and uh, Titania, the Queen of the Fairies, to find out why this is, and uh, she ends up being raveled up into this huge, horrible conspiracy which changes the entire direction of her life and then spins off into the main series of Magical Myths. So post-modern take on Shakespeare. Absolutely. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. So how many conventions do you guys do um, with, with the promotion of your stuff? Well, um, we, we do about, I think we do about five, four or five. Um, the main one for us uh, in the past three years has been San Diego Comic Con that we've been to. Um, we do Thought so you, Bubble. Are you UK based? Yes, we are. And you go all the way to San Diego. Yes. How does that work? <laughs> no cabs. Yeah, Other than we're not packing a cave. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, that is a fair old track. It, it is. And it's also to a degree, there's going to be a lot of people sitting there going, one day San Diego, and you guys have actually done it. So it, that, was, it, was, it was a fluke. It, it, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, I think it was kind of like one of those things where, for me, I mean, I've been writing comic books for about 10 years, and I met Yom's about, was it about seven years ago? Seven years ago. Um, and one of the things that Yom said, because he brought me on as a, an adapting writer for Clockwork Watch at the time, and he said, what's the biggest convention going? And I said, well, San Diego Comic Con. He said, we're going. And I went, right, okay. Um, you do realize that this is a waiting list, and it's a lot of money, and it's in the States? And he was like, yeah, yeah, we're going. So we applied, and they took us in from the very first Year application, <laughs> and we were shocked. <laughs> but we've been doing it ever since, and they, they've been actually encouraging us to come back. So, yeah, so your, 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 your master plan to go to San Diego Comic Con was, can we go? Yeah. yeah. And will you have us? Yes. Yeah. And they, they did, somehow. Uh, I mean, there's a novel approach. <laughs> there, there's a, there's a, certain, a certain insanity, um, so as you probably gathered, yeah. a certain insanity uh, that, that, that's, I, I embrace um, with arms wide open, which is, if it's there, it can be done. Mm. The only thing stopping you from doing is maybe not putting as much effort as you ought to put in. Mm. Uh, and when Corey said, I asked him, you know, what, what, what's, where do you want to go? What's the main one? And he said, San Diego. And I said, that's easy. And, and, it, was. and, it, and it was. And it was. So do you reckon... Um Part of it was because of your prior history with comics and the reputation, or did they not no. know about you? And they no, just went, they yeah, didn't know us from Adam. No, they didn't know us from Adam. We just, we just, uh, we just applied. You, just applied. <laughs> you had the chops. They saw saw it and liked it. And in your... Yeah, they like. Yeah, they liked what we submitted to them. Yeah. And, and uh, so it was. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of paperwork. Mm. The first time round is a hell of a lot of paperwork to go through, and you have to make sure that you you cross all the T's and you dot all the I's because yeah. uh, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of bureaucracy in terms of the application process, but. If you get past that and they like what you do and there's a gap in that market and I think that played a big part of it as well. We were selling steampunk and fantasy and I don't think there's a vast amount of steampunk no. and fantasy at San Diego no. Comic Con. Um, um, just to quickly, it may, may sound a little bit weird to recap. Clockwork Watch is a steampunk graphic mm. novel so it doesn't come out of the blue. Yes. And that is more or less what we, we sent out there. Um, so, when you went over there, did you take product with you, or was it just promotional um, stuff? We, year one, we took product. Yeah, we took um, Copper Watch and Magic Myths over there. Yeah. Um, so on the, on the logistic side of it, was it you just crammed, you did just regular flight and you crammed it full of comics? Um, I or? think we did on year one. We just we just put comics in in, in bags and and went out. Um, subsequently, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, we now get on in, in fear of, well, fear of... Um, Either getting him stopping us and taking our books, or keeping the books and deporting us, or letting us in and getting rid of our books, or any one of those scenarios. So we now have our books printed in America. That is a definite way around. Yeah, yeah. And there's less problems in terms of just filling the case full of books and then going over your weight allowance. Yeah. Was the visa in that? No. Or is it just apply, bang, you go? I yeah, mean, and we, we, we've applied for um, a temporary trader's permit to, to sell at the, at the convention, which is minimal. I'd like to say very minimal. You make this sound ridiculously easy. It's, <laughs> a, lot, it's a lot easier than you would think it's it would be. It's a lot easier yeah. than you, you think. You, kind of, you do think it's San Diego Comic Con, it's America, and you think there's a lot of things that you need to go through. There, there is one part that's not easy, and that is if you drop one year, you, you, go, you go and join the queue, and then you could be there forever in a year. Yeah. So you're now so you don't every, have to. every year, oh no, you've got to go to San Diego. Oh no. <laughs> I know, it's such a, such a trial. Man, I mean, how do you... <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, we, 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 we say every year we finish and say, 
So, um, how was this year? This year went really well. I guess we're going to do next year. <laughs> yeah. So you're making at the event. If we're going to yeah. talk about tax, yeah. you go in there, it's paying for itself. Yeah. It's, it pays in other ways. It's not a monetary yeah. sort of thing. We yeah. are... We've got... I mean, we have got a, a, a store uh, in Texas who will come in and just say 10 of those, 5 of those, 20 of those, and, and she'll just put them in front and say, how much? And basically, and she'll take enough of our books for the year. So you're basically doing wholesale over there at that store? Well, it's whatever comes. Wow. And we have people, I mean, we did a Kickstarter for TikTok 3, which is the, our new book. And we had people who bought the other two in, in San Diego funding TikTok because they want to support it, but also saying, oh, we'll just pick our books up at the convention center. We have people keep coming back, read the last book, glad that you're here again. Can we have the new one? You've done conventions in the US, you do conventions in the UK. Yeah. Other than scale, what do you reckon are like the really big differences between the conventions? They, they're very focused out there. They're very, very focused. The people who come to these things make it, it they make it an occasion. Um, you will have people sleeping out two nights, you know, just to get into some panels. I mean, for instance, the Star Wars panel this year yeah. was just phenomenal. You had people camping out for three days. They, they, they spent all the money on a convention to sit in a queue for three days. Yep. No, no, no. These, I mean, the Star Wars thing this year was, was kind of thing of legends, you know. <laughs> wow. I mean, did they have, they had the whole, they had the whole cast on, you know. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty it big was, deal. It was a big deal. But the thing with San Diego in particular as well is that they actually turn a lot of the city into the convention itself. Yeah. So all the hotels, all the restaurants, they all pitch in as well. Naturally, they jack their prices up, yeah. but it becomes a big carnival. Yeah. So you've got the video game companies doing their thing, you've got the film, film companies doing their thing, and you've got people in cosplay just roaming around the entire city. So well, even, if, even if you couldn't get into the convention, uh, you can go and experience now, the convention. Now, let's do some, some uh, clarification. Yeah. Okay, they sell 100 and, I think about 180,000 um, tickets, tickets or something like that a day, right? Which is a lottery, so tons of people don't get tickets. So you have all those people in the convention center. Then you've got the people who couldn't get tickets, but are people who are prop makers, um, costumeers, all the rest. So they are then outside doing their own showcase. So for you to get out of the convention center, across the road, away from where all this stuff, it's, it's kind of like walking through Notting Hill Carnival, or a big carnival. Thousands of people outside, props, costumes, noises, bloody zombies coming at so, you. So, so the convention bubble extends beyond the it, building. It goes on, it's the whole thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, another, another one thing that actually is a massive difference as well between the two locales is that it's San Diego, and I assume the same thing with Nottingham as well, and a couple of other places in the States, is that you have a lot of the um, a lot of the big professionals and also the celebrities that will just wander the show floor yeah. randomly if they're not too big. I mean, this year they had Ben Affleck and um, and Henry Cavill take the show floor, and literally half the convention stopped because everyone was just mobbing them, yeah. um, and they were with their minds and everything. But even even professionals just suddenly stopped. But at the same time, Kevin Smith walked across our table one random just randomly, yeah. and he was like, "Is that Kevin?" And then you kind of stop and you realise he's like, he's, "He's gone. He's already gone." And John Barrowman stopped by our table yeah, a few years ago um, and just stopped and talked to us. But and these, just... these are people who grew up with conventions who love the medium. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Why aren't and they they're, they're love comfortable. The yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, they... which, 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 um, which one of the Doctor Who's was wandering around with the Bart Simpson mask and no one quite knew? It was. Um, was it Smith? It or? Was the, yeah, yeah, it was Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Yeah. You know, but they'll they'll just do. I mean, I I walked past the table and there was one of the guys from. Stargate sitting behind the desk and I was talking to this lady who I knew and I saw him and I just thought okay I'm just not I'm, I'm not going to disturb you you know and she just says hey you say hello to the guy <laughs> like, oh well I was going to say hello but I just thought I didn't want to hassle you there it's open is that open so I'm here with the Hellfire Harlots roller derby or members of the Hellfire Harlots roller derby team so what brings a bunch of roller derby people to a comics convention well, we basically came here last year. It went down really well. Um, this was actually where I signed up myself. I've been staying for a year um, so far, and it's kind of close to my heart, so we thought we'd give it another go and do it again. The other question is, what is roller derby? It's a contact sport on quad skates, using an oval track. Right. Okay, two teams of five, uh, and gameplay is for like a two-minute block, or maybe a bit shorter, uh, half an hour for a half, and then two halves make a game. 
Um, any team can be made up of 15 skaters in total. So when you go, you'll constantly be seeing like rotating people on play. You won't just be watching the same people all the time. And then to back it up, there'll be people who'll be refereeing. Like yourself. yourself. And then obviously, as you say, non-skating officials, which my friend Jack here is the head so for our league. And they make up all the other roles that need officiating, like keeping time and keeping score and tracking penalties. So you're, are you out on the track? Yes, as track? a referee, you're on skates. And even Jack, when he's NSOing, he's out on track as well. Just not on skates, right. hence the non-skating part of his time. Oh, yeah. And it's all on quads? Yep. Yeah. Any reason it's not in online, in inline skating? It always has been. It always, it always will be. Just tradition, I think. It just it's even even way back in the 80s, it was always on quads. There, mm. there may be a reason, but now it's just buried in past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it originated in the 50s, wasn't it? Yeah. It seems to have a certain, certain amount yeah. of the retro sheet going on with it. Is it is some of the appeal, the retroness of it, or is it just it's a good solid game? You play it, so. Yeah, um, I think for a long time it was all about the aesthetic of it. So it started off in America initially. Um, it started as a roller marathon, and then the contact gradually got more and more pronounced as part of it. Um, but it, for a long time it was all about the costumes that people skated in. Um, it was all about daft penalties and things like that. Um, it was mostly for the aesthetic side of things. Now it's becoming a way more legitimised sport. Um, there's people who do it professionally um, there are there's um, a world sort of league uh, the WFTDA uh, the Women's Flat Track Derby Association they basically govern us uh, there's teams all over the world it's become a really really huge thing um, I think it's just gradually I think people still have a bit of a misconception of roller derby as being just a load of girls in fishnets beating each other up I think we're just trying to get it more legitimised you wouldn't believe the amount of work that goes into training the amount of endurance that you need to be on the track at any one time even the guy, these guys the refs and uh, NSOs they're always on their feet they have to have an amount of endurance as well. Um, it's a very tactical game, it's very, you have to be aggressive to some extent in the game but like any contact sport uh, but it's just a really good time basically. So when you say contact, what sort of level of, of, of physicality, I mean, there's obviously the, the endurance and the skill mm. physicality, but how much actual beating people up physicality <laughs> is there as well? Um, it's not so much beating people up as making safe legal controlled contact. For example, you can't hit anyone with your arms and mm. um, these guys call them penalty sticks. Um, yep. You can only hit with your shoulders or your hips. Um, you are allowed to hit people to the chest or down the front. Um, you can't hit below the knee. You can't hit in the middle of the back either because that's quite dangerous. You'll get called for a penalty for that. So although it is very high contact, it's done in a safe, controlled way. So aggressive barging rather than fisting the face. Pretty yep. much, yeah. And so with, with, with the retroness and becoming... Do you reckon that, that brings in the comment side? Because it's obviously from an era, the, the whole Superman, all that side. There's, or is it just you went, there's a whole load of people there, let's go there. There is a lot of crossover. Um, I mean, when when uh, it's like, when Rather Derby started coming back, there was a very punk rock thought basis behind it. It was uh, the, the, the sort of, the for the WFTDA, the women's flat track, the, the big tagline is by the skaters, for the skaters. So you got a lot of people that were coming in like working nine to five skating putting on games you find that a lot as well at comic-con you get a lot of the same the similar sort of level of enthusiasm in in, in geeks in comic geeks uh, and things that you do in in roller derby um, and you get a lot of similar sort of you get a lot of crossover between a lot of a lot of uh, skaters love comics so you've got the DIY thing you've got the American culture thing and you've, you've got to just get up and get really up for it yeah, I think it's also partly to do with just generally strong role models. You tend to find strong role models in comics. Um, you tend to find certain characters that people identify with and idolise and what have you. To a similar extent, we try and sort of aspire to that sort of level. Um, for example, we kind of use our influence in the local community to help out local people. Um, we supported an eating disorder charity so long ago called Freed Beaches um, and what have you. So we are kind of trying to emulate that sort of thing where people can look up to us we can be a support network for those people and we can use our influence for other things other than just promoting the sport nice. and you all have 
secret hidden identities and superpowers. Well, we do have Derby names. <laughs> a lot of us do have uh, secret names, yeah, or secret names. Not Maybe so, not not so, so much. secret. Not so yeah. secret. <laughs> yeah, um, our secret names are our real names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're our secret identities. Yeah, it's, it just gets to the stage where you know skaters by their Derby name rather than their actual name, and they'll say, oh, how's Emily coming up? Who's Emily? That's yeah. wonderful. Um, or, as, or as refs, numbers. Yeah. There's, there's been times where I've just been like, I know you, but your number's 16, so... Hi, 16. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so from what I've seen from my very minimal contact with it, you've got um, floats refereeing, you've got the ladies skating. Not exclusively, there... gentlemen. Refereeing. Oh, Anybody can ref. It's just Anyone the ladies ref. play in the game because are there it's... any male teams? There, are, there, is, there is male leagues. There is uh, the Men's uh, Roller Derby Association as well as the Women's Flat Track. They're kind of linked, but there's, there's not a lot of crossover other than like helping out in each yeah. kind are there of thing. Mixed groups or mixed there groups? are co-ed ones as well. Yeah, you get co-ed. I mean, one of my friends skates for the Iron Bruisers up in Scotland and they are a co-ed league, so the guys mix in with the girls in training as well, so it's quite good. Is there any big reason for the, for the thing or is it just the tradition and the history? Generally tradition, I think, yeah, mostly, isn't it? Again, like the women's flat, it started off as the Women's Flat Track Derby Association and then because men weren't welcome as such playing, that's that's when the men's league started popping up. And I've always used the analogy to friends like football exists, and then there's women's football, mm. there's roller derby, and then there's men's, men's roller, roller derby. derby. They, we don't say women's roller derby; we just say roller derby. But we add the prefix to show there's not that there's this other thing, but it's the, the spot part of the sport the guys play in, and that's just how yeah. it's always been. So. That's the tradition. Let's face it; there's enough default male sports out there. Exactly. Yep. I think that's one of the attractions for roller derby as well, because there are so many just male-centric sports. Mm. I mean, we love these guys, and they help us out a lot, and we do appreciate having guys around on the league and what have you. But it is nice to have a sport that I, that is more female-focused. It's mm. sort of a safe space for a lot of our skaters, which I think is appreciated. So, if someone was interested in in, in the Nottingham area joining up with you guys. Where, where should aspiring roller derbyists be contacting you? Um, well, generally, we have so many intakes a year when we mm. get um, our new recruits trained up to a safe standard, then we can move them up through the ranks. Mm. Um, they start at Sparks, um, then they go to Firecrackers, which is when they start scrimmaging, which is like a small game between themselves. Then they get up to Flares, which is where they can scrimmage against more advanced players. Mm and then they get to Flames, which is where your A-team skaters are and where you start actually bouncing. Yeah, that's the full, fully competitive cool. um, level. That'll be the part of the league that's out there in front of a live audience, right. representing the league, earning points positions, playing against other teams from around the country. How long would, assuming someone, you know, the average person, how long would it take them to go from Spark to Flame? Um, it depends on the skater. Okay, there, yeah. there's, um, there's no real sort of ballpark. I mean. I've been skating for a year now and I've been, I'm in firecrackers, I'm mm. at that level now, hopefully going to move up to flames before long. Um, but yeah, it just takes some time, but it's more of a matter of just making sure everyone, everybody's safe on skates, really. So I, I've seen a couple of bits of it and I'm just, I can barely stay up the way up and It's always about yeah. besting yourself, it's your own personal time frame. Mm. So just because you might have joined in a one intake and people you were training alongside seem to be stepping up doesn't mean you're weaker just that or likewise the reverse is true like we've had people who've just come for like a week or two and gone you're a savant let's get you going let's teach you the tactics and that's just how it is so yeah i mean some people come to us from skating backgrounds and some people come having never put skates on and both are absolutely fine they progress at their own pace and we appreciate anyone who wants to put skates on and have a go have you guys got a website or a Facebook or anything like that? Yeah, the Facebook. Um, it's, I think it's, it's either Nottingham Hellfire Harlots or just Hellfire Harlots. Uh, same with Twitter. I can't um, remember the... Yeah, Twitter is details. at Hellfire Harlots and the website is www.hellfire-harlots.co.uk So I'm now talking to Kev Brett, the man behind this entire event, who hopefully will be able to stay still for more than five minutes. Because apart from anything else, you look like you deserve a breather. <laughs> yes, it's... Uh... It's been pretty manic so far this morning, and it's been awesome. So what is your official title at this? I am the co-organiser. This is between me and my wife. We set this up. We run this, so... And what possessed you to do this? Uh, <laughs> sheer madness. No, um, I do my own comics. I make my own comics. Mm -hmm. um, and two, three years ago, I applied for a table at Leeds uh, Thought Bubble, mm -hmm. and I didn't get in. So I kind of looked around the area, thought, well, there isn't really, at that time, there's no other cons 
around the kind of Midlands area that I knew of. Um, so I just said to the wife, right, let's do one. Um, and that was in sort of, you know, March, April time. And I said, let's do it in July. And she said, not a chance. We're doing October. So we kind of got everything together, got guests, got, all the, got the venue and all the rest of it. And, and it just kind of snowballed from there, really. So because the, the event came from you not being able to get a st uh, stall at the highly oversubscribed yep. Gold Bar, yep. is it a, definitely a creator-focused event? Yeah, we like to, we like to pull um, a lot of the small press and indie comic folk. Um, that's the sort of thing we like to push and obviously we get some of the bigger names in because you know who doesn't want to see oh, some absolutely. of their art and all the rest of it but yeah that was, that was our, definitely our focus and also we wanted to put on an event that raised a lot of money for charity we kind of combined the two charity event and the comic yeah we take um, from a pound of every standard ticket we donate that to the, um, to the charities yeah. and we also run a charity raffle and all proceeds from that go to the uh, the charities that we've chosen that year. So, so going from an, inte an attendee to a event organizer for something, I mean, how many people are you getting going through the, the gate? Um, we're probably looking at a couple of thousand. So you've gone from person selling at events to a couple of thousand people coming through the door yep. in two years. Yep. What the bit? What are the biggest things you've learned, or biggest things that surprised you with events? Uh, not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I don't know, to be honest, there's so many things that we've kind of taken from each year, year on year, you know, we've learned so much more, how to be prepared, how, you know, the things not to do, um, just to treat the guests as guests and treat the exhibitors as guests. We like to be a friendly, family-focused thing, but we like to treat everybody as best we can, you know, and just, like I say, as family-focused as we can get, because we've got two little ones that we love to bring. And definitely, definitely a lot of... of uh, uh, small children and families going mm -hmm. around, which is nice to see in the bay. Um, this is really the same weekend as MCM in London. Yep. Do you think that's having? Um, do, do you think that's having any impact on it, or how, um, how do you think it pairs? there's obviously the whole London drain thing. I was just wondering your view on it. If it yeah, made a difference. It, it, it was when we when we found out that the dates were the same. Mm. It was kind of that dread of oh no, we're not going to get exhibitors because everyone will want to go to the MCM because they're so huge, they bring in such a massive footfall. Um, but we've been pleasantly surprised at how many independents, they don't want to either journey to London or they don't want the expense of staying in London the whole weekend or whatever. So to be honest, we've probably had, I don't know, may, maybe a few people pull out or whatever because they want to go to London, but it's not been a hindrance, to be honest. Perfectly possible for someone to do a quite, quite regional event at the same time as the big London yes. one. Yes, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because oh, I know the guys at Leamington Comic Con, theirs was at the same time as the Lakes. Mm. Um, and when I looked at it, I thought, oh, that's going to be a bit... But those guys had a great year this year as well. So, so the market for comic conventions is growing? I know oh, absolutely. Growing, yeah, um, Comic Cons and, and what have you are popping up all over the place. Um, we, I think we need to be careful not to oversaturate. Mm. Um, but as long as you do it well and you do it right and for the right reasons, then the, you know the best, better ones will come out on top. And yeah. So you got into this from not being able to get into into events. Yep. Are you still going to events as a trader? Um, yes, they're very very limited now because obviously a lot yep. of my time is spent <laughs> planning this. Um, Have you got back into thought bubble? Mm, I, I got in last year. So you did. Get, they did let you. <laughs> they did. Yeah, I didn't tell them I was doing this. <laughs> Um, not that I'm sure they'd be that worried, yeah. to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I have to kind of pick and choose now. Mm. So. so, with regards to picking and choosing, when it comes to um, people wanting to exhibit here, mm -hmm. do you guys do a first come first served, or do you do a curated thing where you get everyone's name and see what will complement, or is it a mix of the two? At the moment, we're um, we're very much a kind of come first come first served. Mm. We do monitor the odd one or two depending on what they're selling because obviously like I say we want this to be a family event mm. but generally speaking it's first come first serve we are getting more and more popular mm. so whether that curated thing will come in further down the line I don't know yet it's something to look at in do, the future so. specific people you want to come along to um, we invite the guests and what have you and we do know quite a few people that have come mm. in previous years um, and they're always like so when's the next one um, and we'll let them know, and they, you know, they're usually good for returning. So, so with regards to the next one, any any grand plans or is stick, stick yep. with what you know? Yeah, uh, 29th of October. That's the date. Mm -hmm. 
So um, the last weekend in October next year, same venue, same venue. Um, we've got a few things that we're going to try next year. We're going to move a few things around. This year we introduced um, the short animated uh, films, which have gone down a they've gone down a tree. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know we might look at doing some more of those. Might look at doing some more um, interactive things for the kids because Steve Beckett ran something for a select few of children this year because he can only kind of deal with sort of yeah. 20 at a time or whatever um, and he had a great time he said it was brilliant so that's something we can look at it's doing more of steady expansion but sticking with the core competence yes absolutely absolutely get the panels in we like to have some live music during the day mm -hmm. so you know we're sticking with that format as such at the and moment and you're still sticking with it even though your advice to anyone <laughs> wanting to do one is don't do it every year every year so I'm not, I can't do that again I can't do it again and then after about 20 minutes, it's like, yeah, let's do this next year. Let's do this. So that was the Nottingham Comic Convention. Great one day or event. Very good use of space. Not too cramped, not too empty. Definite bustle, but with enough space to sit down and breathe. Something that can be rare from some of these events. Although if you like a cramped event, go for it. Overall, really worth going if you're in the area or if you have the time to travel, definitely have a look at it for 2016. From the viewpoint of a trader, from everything I heard, pretty good. Couple of areas of lacking of information with regard to the turn up, so that people running events and the Nottingham guys might want to pay attention to, but nothing terminal. And the majority was a very good response from the people attending. Spoke to a number of people. They all seem to be having fun. They all seem to be enjoying it. As long as you go in on the understanding, it's a one day comics focused event you should have a great time very interesting stalls nice to see more than just comics and just trade stuff going on there in the name of full disclosure i will confess that the chocolate stall did give me two free chocolate mice or white chocolate they were delicious one quick notice i now have a new website raggedyman.net slash on the way to where you'll now be able to get the podcast from and which will house most of the information of what's happening there. If you're on the old Jellycast link, don't worry, that's going to carry on going for a while. But if you want to keep up to date with the newest of the new and see the shininess of the website, please go check out raggedyman.net slash on the way to. If you have any events that you want mentioned on the podcast, please email raggedyman at gmail.com. Even if I can't make it, send us your info. I'm more than happy to read it out. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please, please, please share it. Let people know. If you have an event that you want me to come to, please let me know. Once again, raggedyman at gmail.com. This is a free broadcast available under Creative Commons License 4.0. That basically means please feel free to share it. Please feel free to use it. Just credit to myself. And please let me know if it's something really exciting what you're up to. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And I hope you'll join me the next time I'm on the way to another geek event.